Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And what up, everybody? Welcome in Wednesday episode of the show. Chris, I almost, it feels like Thursday for some reason, man. I feel like this this week is rolling, and I, I know I'm, I'm feeling that feeling of it's going to be Friday, and I'm going to be like, we haven't finished everything we need to finish um, because there is a lot going on. There's a lot going on in Gamecock Nation, a lot going on on Gamecock Central, which is, I mean, let's be honest, it's a great thing, but um, we are rolling right along, barreling into the weekend. The openers always go like this, in my opinion. You wait, you wait, you wait, you wait, and then it's like you snap your fingers and it's game day, and then you're like, are we ready? This is probably how coaches feel too, man. Like, you have all this time to prepare, but you really don't. So, Gamecock's getting ready for Georgia State. Coordinator speaking today. By the way, I think we've kind of started to settle into a rhythm on the GC Live um, game week shows. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get you some final details on that. Uh, but I, I think we're going to try to kind of settle into this rhythm a Monday show with me and Chris. Uh, for those who didn't tune in, you missed out. Uh, Mike Yuva with a 7 p.m. Tuesday show. Our plan right now is for throughout the season. That will be um, that will replace our afternoon show on Tuesday. Uh, Mike will be on there. That will be kind of more of a Q&A type show. Um, Wednesday, we'll always have coordinators speaking on Wednesday afternoon, so it'll give Chris and I plenty to talk about. Um, final preview show will always be on Friday. And I think Chris... I mean, y- y'all weigh in, weigh in, in the chat. I think Thursday makes sense for our guest, actually. Um, yep. That's what we're going to do this week. We got a great Georgia State guest uh, going to join us tomorrow, Thursday, 2.15. We're going to aim to have a guest for the opponent every single week if we can make that work. Um, but anyway, man, Chris, lots going on. How we doing? Man, we are wide open. Like you said, I was just telling you before we came on, the list of stuff to do. If you and I unfurled or unleashed our list in written format to be like a scroll back in the old days. It would just keep going. But hey, that is a great problem. I don't see it as a problem. We just got to get it done. Lots of stuff to do. I even just thought, I said, oh, there's a content piece that we do every year on a Friday, sometimes on a Saturday. You and I haven't even talked about it. Not once. Breaking down the keys. Yep. That's a regular piece. We'll do that. Uh, but yeah, things are awesome, man. Tons going on uh, with some recruiting developments and obviously the team with the season right around the corner. I feel the excitement continuing to build. So good times here in Gamecock country. Yeah, man. Um, the, the Gamecock Central YouTube, which is what uh, most of you watch this show on, has taken off. Um, so hit hit the subscribe button. Um, matter of fact, m- most of you are pretty loyal like we see a lot of the same names on youtube that comment anyway um hopefully you're already subscribed on there uh but but hit the subscribe button on youtube that helps us out as far as consistency as far as it letting you know when we're live it letting you know when we post new videos um 
I would say we've like quadrupled our production as far as YouTube um, video content. And actually, at some point during the show, you will have to be subscribed, not to Gamecock Central, but to the YouTube to comment. Um, it's completely free. We're not pulling anything over you. Just hit the subscribe button. That's going to save us also from some of our drive-by commenters who like to come on and uh, spam the chat. So I'm not going to turn that on today, but um, probably by Friday we'll turn on the must-be-subscribed-to-comment button. But all you have to do is hit the free subscribe button there on YouTube. We're going to get rid of the drive-by chatters who like to just come on and talk shiz. But um, coordinators, also some big NIL news for South Carolina coming out. Earlier this week, we want to talk about that. We were lucky enough to be joined by Hillary Cox on our 107.5 show this morning. We want to talk about that and what that means for South Carolina. This is some news, Chris. They've been working on for quite some time to get it into place. It comes together. I don't think the gravity of what that news really is for South Carolina student-athletes has quite kicked in or locked in yet to, uh, to Gamecock fans, so I want to get into that a little bit later on. But first, coordinator speaking today. Um, let, let's start with maybe Marcus Satterfield offense, um, and let's combine it with depth chart talk. I don't think Chris, you and I have been on here since the depth chart was released. Um, initial offensive thoughts post Satterfield comments today and post depth chart release, Chris, you know, I, uh, the depth chart was interesting, particularly a few little notes. So number one, kind of made it official that Dylan Wanham beat out Tyshawn Wanamaker, right, for that right tackle spot. I think that's what we expected, Wes. But my question was, would this be an or situation, right? Like, was it that close? Is there a potential rotation? And, and not to say that Wanamaker won't get some time there, but I think, look, Dylan Wanham, he's had a couple – pretty major injuries during his career at South Carolina that's really held him back. I think a lot of Gamecock fans have kind of wondered, okay, Dylan Wanham, this guy was highly ranked recruit. I think they've been expecting a little bit more, but part of it is honestly he hasn't even played as much as he should have played because of those injuries. And I would say Wes hasn't been as effective as he could be through no fault of his own back because of those injuries. So um, that was a little, you know, kind of smaller battle that we were watching out for. Wanham, it looks like, I don't think he opened the preseason, if I'm remembering correctly. I think Wanamaker was out there number one, but it didn't right. take very long to want for Dylan Wanham to step in, and it looks like he's got a hold on that and, and playing pretty well. Um, receiver was another interesting one. I think we knew, what did we pick out? Maybe we identified, I think, six or seven guys Mm -hmm. that were going to be for those three spots or so, depending, you know, personnel depending. And then um, those would be kind of your rotation guys. Well, my question was, what is the depth chart look, look going to look like? And look, Shane Beamer said, guys, I looked at the depth chart. I didn't spend two hours pouring over it. He even said, like, get, give me some leeway. You know, cut me a break a little bit on the depth chart. If, you know, game one, series one, it's not whatever you saw atop the depth chart. We do know that they've got several different personnel packages, so it will depend. Hey, we like Antoine Wells here in this matchup. We like Juju McDowell here in this matchup. Jaheim Bell here. But I did think it was interesting. Just kind of confirms Xavier Leggett being, you know, at the top of one of those spots. 
Juice Wells being an or. Didn't know, hey, will he be a starter? Will he be an or? Will they just put him as a backup? We know he's going to play a key role. I thought, Wes, maybe the most interesting thing was Jalen Brooks being listed as an or. I know you wrote in one of your Carolina Confidential pieces recently where I was able to learn from you uh, that Jalen had had some moments in preseason since returning to the team. And so he was an or with, I believe, Josh Van who, of course, was South Carolina's leading receiver last year. So some interesting kind of depth chart moves there. I don't know that that means a lot in the grand scheme. It's more of just how they're listed, but I think it kind of confirmed that there's some tight competition and a rotation there. Yeah, well, if you listen to the Clayton White press conference today, which you should, you should go watch it, um, he actually implemented a uh, – what's the word? A moratorium, maybe? I don't know. I don't know if I'm using my uh, – that's not in my uh, word of the day for today, but – he basically said we can't use the word depth chart anymore. He was tired of hearing about it. Um, tongue in cheek, of course. Clayton, a pretty funny guy. But um, it is funny how much, Chris, the coaches downplayed the depth chart. But let me kind of fire back at them a little bit in that. Okay, y'all. No, You know, I get it. I understand we can't watch practice like we used to. Um, but if we were out there watching like the Spurrier days, then, yeah, the depth chart would mean nothing. We'd be like, well, this guy's practicing a lot more than that guy. That guy's over there at the scout team. And, yeah, it may have been thrown together to an extent, but it does matter. Like, it's fluid. I get it. But there's a there's a reason Dylan Wanham is listed ahead of Tyshawn Wanamaker. So, so yeah, yeah, maybe we can go a little too far with it. Maybe we can dive a little bit too deep into it. But if we're not going to be at practice, you know, like the NFL guys, Again, no complaints. I get it. I'd love to be out there watching. I'd love to have a drone and just watch the entire practice, honestly. But if we're not going to be out there for a long period of time and we're not going to see the rotation, this is all we got to go off of. So I will give Shane Beamer that leeway and that we all understand there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching, I think. The interesting thing, as much as they downplay the depth chart, it actually kind of, I believe shows on paper it matches with the feedback we were hearing like receiver um and see they 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 actually chris i was working on some like final depth chart predictions because i thought it was going to come out on tuesday like it did last year it ends up coming out monday night and i sat there i poured over the receivers because i was like how are they actually going to list this um, and then Colin and I, when we were doing the GC live on Monday, the second half, when you were in DC, we even were like, maybe they just put oars for all the guys. And, you know, we were like half kidding, but half like, you know, that could really be the case in particular. I thought, or for AB and to carry on was a strong possibility. I thought, or for Leggett and juice Wells was a strong possibility. Didn't necessarily anticipate the Jalen Brooks one, even though the, the interesting thing is, when we listed, it's not like a pat on the back. It's just this is what the this is what the buzz was. We listed six or seven guys, and it was those six guys, and then Rucker, who would one hundred percent be in the mix, pushing for time, if not for health. So, as much as the depth chart's being downplayed, the fact that it's listed like that, I think, is very representative of what we're probably going to see Saturday night. We're probably going to see early in the year. Eventually, I, I kind of fall in like the cream rises to the crop. The cream rises to the top. Let me get that right. Category. 
we'll find out, right? Like the targets will be based on who's getting open and who's catching the ball. But I think based on everything we've heard about camp, everything they've said about camp, these six guys are going to be on the field. Maybe it's even 50-50 on Saturday, Chris. Yeah, it could be. And speaking of our YouTube uh, explosion, Wes, I, I envision cutting that seg. Wes Mitchell fires back at South Carolina coaches. We we put a, a thumbnail with you on it, making some serious face and like a fire emoji and all these kind of things. That would be awesome. But that would be big time clickbait. You were not firing back at all. Depth charts do matter. Like these, they these do. They do, do matter. Well, look. I mean, here's another one. We probably would not have predicted like after spring ball, some random time in the summer. Maybe you did. If you did, great. Nick Emmanuel and DQ Smith being number two, both of them being number two. Like you, you probably could have leapt there and said, oh, I think Emmanuel probably, but that end that tracks, you know, going to the defensive side of the ball, that, that tracks. Here's the interesting thing about the receivers and just some of the offensive personnel in general, those receivers are different type guys. So like when you get AB, AB may not play 60 snaps a game because he's got a skill set where you're going to use him in a certain way. And I always have said since the bowl game, he had five catches in the bowl game. It was his best game as a Gamecock. And it really showed how he should be used in this offense, right? You get him in space, you move him around a little bit, um, and he and he can run. You know, you probably want to send him on some deep routes sometimes, but you want to get him in space with the ball in his hands. That's different than what Juice Wells is going to bring. And Juice Wells is going to be a good bit different than Xavier Leggett, who's a big physical presence at receiver. You know, like all these guys are different. It's not like they're rolling out six or seven clones of each other. All these guys can do some different things. And that's why, aside from the competition being pretty tight, I think that's another reason that you see these or designations because it really is going to depend on personnel. They have specific person, for instance, the, they'll have specific play names or personnel names where they call it out. It's all it's an all-in-one deal, so you know the players know the personnel in the play, and some of them are you know specifically designed for Jaheim Bell or Juju McDowell and what spot they're supposed to be in and what's supposed to happen. So I think that's a, a part of it too with the depth chart. Yeah, and I that that caught my attention when Satterfield was talking about that today, and um, just the comments about. Um, Hey, you know, we got some guys. It was kind of interesting. He'd be like, we got some guys that are 6'3", 220 pounds. And I was like, oh, he's talking about Xavier Leggett. And then we got some guys with some speed. that, And I'm like, oh, he's talking about A, B. Like, it was, you could almost kind of walk along with him which guys he was referring to. It feels like, and this is a thing that's going to be, I don't want to say difficult to implement, but walking this line between using the guys to complement their skill sets while still keeping some form of identity within the offense, while still keeping a flow within the offense to where you're not just having to constantly shuffle guys in and out. You know, having a full play-to-play, down-to-down, down-and-distance situations, while also implementing things that fit those different skill sets, that, to me, Chris, will be like the tightrope walk that will determine just how good this offense can be this year because I, I do think they feel really good. You know, if you have, if you have Jaheim Bell split out in the slot kind of as a, as a receiver, but he's obviously a tight end, 
You have Leggett out there with him. Um, I mean, that that's going to give you some, an edge on the perimeter as well in the running game, I think, as far as having some big-bodied dudes out there to block for you. So I think there's going to be elements in here. If you're two tight ends, if you're going two tight ends and you're trying to run the football, maybe, maybe Leggett is in the – you know, in the game at, at wide receiver on one side. But if you're trying to, like, spread this thing out, get some speed on the field, um, you know, maybe then it's it's Van, A.B., and Wells on the field. Like, that's your three wide right there. I, I think some of that is going to depend on not just play-to-play, play, but, like, drive-to-drive. Drive. What are you trying to accomplish because of the certain game flow of, of where things are right now? It's a good problem to have in a lot of ways. But – that's sort of the that's the beauty, and then that's like the the pressure of being an OC that now has some guys to work with. I think is uh, is having to deal with that. How how are they going to use Jaheim Bell this year, man? I mean, we talked about J. Doesn't it seem like the Jaheim talk has been a little quiet? It has. Week? It has because I think people are so hyper, assumed, right. Yeah, and I think people are hyper focused on a new quarterback that just so happens to be Spencer Rattler, you know, so it's not just any quarterback in the receivers. And even like the return of Marshawn Lloyd, and of course he was back the back half of last year, but like his chance to be the guy, I should, I should say it in more clear terms there. But yeah, I think, I think, like you said, part of it is just the assumption. Okay. Jaheen Bell, we've seen what he can do, but there's more he can do. Like we, we saw what he can do against UNC. We saw the jet sweeps. We saw, the deep balls. We saw the run after catchability. A thing that stood out today that Satterfield said, and, and I'm not putting too much stock into this because I don't think it's the plan. As he mentioned, Gene Bell can carry the ball 25 times a game. Now, yes, I believe that he can <laughs> because of his size. I don't think he'll carry the ball that much. I don't think he's going to carry the ball 25 times a game, but he'll carry it some. And that is one of the most interesting subplots of all this, Wes, is, you know, how much is he utilized? Um, do we see to carry on Joyner at quarterback any? Like, at this, at some point in the season, I think, will it be game one? You know, that, that's another interesting question. But I, I'm very interested to see how much kind of running back or a running back-esque position Jaheim Bell plays. Yeah, we – I'm actually kind of excited, man. We're going to – we used to do our buy or sell on here. Word on the street is we're adding the buy or sell back to um, our 107.5 show. Okay. Um, we're going to have some interesting topics on that, I think. Heck yeah. And But let, let's let's buy or sell right now. Okay. Initial, just like your reaction. To carry on Joiner takes one snap at quarterback. This week on Saturday, you buy it or you sell it. I'll buy. Okay, buy. I'm buying it too. Yep. Um, Jaheim Bell carries the ball four times or more out of the backfield. Jet sweep doesn't count. Jaheim carries the ball four plus times out of the backfield this week. You're muted all of a sudden. I was hoping you were going to say six because I had my answer ready. I don't know. I was trying to read your mind and failed. Um, four. Four or more. So, four or more. Yeah, I know. Um, 
I'll, I'll buy. I don't I'm, feel great about it. I'm buying them both as well. Okay. Because, I mean, CBS has been banged up. And yes, that's a good point. So, and yet, you know, Beamer said he's working, you know, he probably going to be available, whatever. He's a running back, y'all. Like, hey, they're probably on a hurt lower body. And, you know, nah. Yeah. I think we're available is one thing. But if I have Marshawn Lloyd healthy, if I have Juju McDowell, maybe top three most underrated guys on the team, I have Jaheim Bell I can give the ball to. I have Joyner I can put at quarterback and run with the football. I have Rashad Amos. Vasi, I mean, it goes on and on. I'm not putting him out there until he's 100%. So I, but I, I think that maybe opens up some things, short yardage for Bell to to go ahead and, and make some plays at, at running back uh, this week. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, that was a great point. I thought about the the possibility of, or the probability of, of not having Christian Beal Smith, or at least, plus you wouldn't think he did much of anything if he even plays. And I really don't, wouldn't anticipate him doing that. And that does give some more carries out. Now, hey, even if you got a completely full stable, we could sit here and, and argue and wonder about Jaheim Bell carrying the ball four times or more. You, you obviously want to find him as many touches as you can you know, as long as it makes sense to give him touches in a certain situation. Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll say we'll save more by ourselves for, for Friday in our hopefully official segment there on 107.5. Um, I, th- I think that's about it for Satterfield worth kind of diving into, Chris. Um, he did say the other – he said eight or nine guys on the O-line they feel good about. He said these other guys are going to want to make a real play. He's previously mentioned – Trey Jones will play this year. I got to think Ja'Kai Moore is maybe in that conversation as a guy will play. So that'll be interesting to see, too. Are there rotations on the O-line this week? Do they mix a guy in there, or do they just try to keep the same five out there, uh, you know, as far as keeping some continuity at those five positions? Let's go defense, man. There were two, at least two things that caught my attention, Chris. First, when I think back to – the issues on the defense last year, struggling to stop the run, consistency in stopping the run. This whole Mo Kaba thing, and we've kind of anticipated it at this point, but he is officially the starter. He's a starter at Mike. And then he was asked, hey, you know, what, what does Mo bring to the field? And for one, he said Mo was like born to play football, which is a pretty – if your coach is saying that about you, that's it's a pretty good day. But he kept talking about his physicality, his size, um, his tr- physical traits. And I don't know, man, like the, the more I think about it, the more it feels like there are some, I don't want to say differences in how they're doing things defensively, but it just does feel like maybe there's a little more emphasis from a personnel standpoint. And, you know, it's a they have more options there too. Don't get me wrong. They're, a lot of it was out of necessity last year. But I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say here, Chris. It's not just talk that they know they got to stop the run better. And I think sort of getting Mo ready to be the dude there in the middle is maybe a big part of that overall goal. Yeah, it's a great point. It was it's an area they've got to improve in. And um, I think there are just kind of like some of the offensive struggles last year is a multifaceted thing. You know, a lot of times it's easy to simplify it and say, 
well, teams having trouble stopping the run, the D-line's getting their butt whooped, or, you know, something like that. Just make it, you know, just kind of dumb it down. When in reality, you've got 22 guys on a football field. Every play has 10 storylines within it most of the time. And so um, they do have to get better up front playing the run, no doubt. But also, I mean, we've documented some of the issues at linebacker last year, and I think a big one was, you know, Mo Caba was still as a player not completely ready. He took, I think, 100-something snaps last year. Um, he played some snaps, and obviously his physical talent's undeniable, but he still wasn't ready. You know, whether it was 100% coming back from the injury from high school, whether it was just the, the light not coming on quite yet, the experience, whatever it may be, it wasn't there yet. Obviously losing Sherrod Green in the Georgia game. You're basically playing the year with two linebackers for all intents and purposes. And Mo Caba is physically probably the most gifted linebacker on the roster. And certainly when you look at his athletic ability stacked up against what we saw last year, you know, it is an upgrade. Now that means you have to go out there and Clayton White alluded to, you still got some things to learn. So there might be some growing pains for a Mo Caba, but just the physical ability of being able to get the spots faster that's the type of thing that i think could could help this defense a lot so it's a really significant development that he's taken such a step forward definitely uh he threw some love at uh at boogie huntley today as well that's kind of um you know again matches the buzz um kind of like what we had heard i did think it was interesting man brad johnson wins the job beside mo i still expect shry green will play quite a bit will be interesting to see how much debo williams plays it'll be interesting as the year goes on can Stone Blanton insert himself into this mix? I've heard, heard he looks the part, still a freshman, but uh, bright future there for Stone Blanton as well. I just think you got to feel a pretty good bit better about that position overall than you did probably at any point last year. Even going in, uh, you know, before Shirai got hurt, uh, I think you just feel a good bit better about it on paper. Um, going to be counting on a lot of freshmen at defensive back as far as the backup roles go. You mentioned Eamon Worry earlier. Uh, DQ Smith, uh, both those guys, the local guys, went in the backup safety spots, at least for now. But, um, I mean, you look, Kawhi Banks in there as a backup cornerback, um, third-string cornerbacks, uh, Keenan Nelson Jr., Emory Floyd, Chris. Um, I thought that it was noteworthy the amount of praise that Clayton White put on these freshman DBs. Doesn't it seem like coaches are normally a little bit hesitant to to heap too much praise on freshmen? And he he did not hold back at all. I think that's a good sign for that group down the road. For sure. And Wes, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead, but Pete Limbo as well mentioning freshmen and saying that they're going to have a, a ton, I think was his quote, of freshmen playing on special teams. And I know we'll get into that more in a minute, but – it's an important point when you're talking about Clayton White mentioning the the freshman and Pete Limbo mentioning them. Now, he didn't say DBs, but when you look at the skill sets and what's needed to succeed on special teams, you would think that a couple of the guys he's talking about are Nick Mimori, who's a big, fast, physical kid, seems like a natural fit for special teams, seems like he's one of those type of guys that, as Pete Limbo said, has earned it, DQ Smith who's another smart, physical kid, um, good fits for special teams. And certainly you got to feel really good. I, I don't know that 
in February 2022, we weren't sitting here saying, okay, BQ Smith and Nick Immemori, like they're probably going to play a good bit this year. I, I don't think I was saying that. I mean, we knew – we saw Immemori in camp. We saw what he did as a senior. Always liked DQ Smith because I felt like he could successfully transition to a DB from high school quarterback. But I think they've gone kind of above and beyond the expectations for a typical true freshman. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, opening kickoff, those two guys may be out there, you know, covering a kick. Um, but certainly when you look at that that freshman group, White did heap some praise on them. I think the guy you mentioned, Stone Blanton, that's another one to watch. Uh, but I, I think there's been a lot of praise directed, even if they're not named specifically at DQ Smith and Nick Immanori. Yeah, and, and, you know, I would say maybe early summer, Immanori kind of, it was like everybody started kind of buzzing about him. But then DQ, I mean, golly, man, to go from high school quarterback, transition right in, and then, again, you can say what you want about the depth chart, doesn't matter. It matters that DQ Smith is listed on there ahead of guys who have been here longer and who have played the position longer. Um, it, it is noteworthy. Like, it, it does matter, I think. And that's a good sign for that position in the future, I think, because you have two seniors at, at safety. You Ideally, Chris, don't you think if you're Torian Gray and you're Clayton White, you want to get these guys in there now, like as soon as possible? Um, because you know at some point you are going to need to get them in. You don't you don't throw yourself around at the safety position in the SEC and not get dinged up. Like you're gonna have bruises, you know, shoulders, I feel like from DBs, especially safeties and linebackers. Um, those are two positions you, you get banged up and you want to go ahead and get them in, get the get the sort of ball rolling as quick as possible, so that as this year goes on, you can legitimately build that depth. But man, the other Thing about you mentioned February 2022. If you go back to then, there probably was some legitimate concern within the walls of the ops building. Who's going to be the backup safeties? Who who are going to be the backup corners? They it seems. I mean, here here's the quote from Clayton White. There are some talented guys back there. These guys put on a show this August. That's what caught my attention. Those guys put on a show this August. I'm just going to be honest with you. They came ready to work right out of high school. They put the work in this summer on Zoom meetings. Put it on the field. They have physical makeups and football IQ you can't coach. They're going to be really, really good football players. Um, he didn't talk about specifics, who he was talking about, but he was talking about the DBs. That's who he was asked about. Um, he has piqued my curiosity beyond just even worry, then DQ, now I'm ready to see some of these other guys too, Chris. Yeah, and I think even when you go to the guys, like like several people either here or on the Insiders Forum have asked about Anthony Rose, right, just as an example. I mean, remember, Eamon Worry, DQ Smith, they were not among the highest-ranked guys here, you know, from the 2022 class. That was Anthony Rose. It was Keenan Nelson Jr., Kawan Banks, who's pictured there on your screen, Wes. He was another lower-ranked guy, and he – incidentally, is probably the guy who's gotten, what, probably the third most, like, praise and, and love and and maybe even in terms of snap count and practice, just based on the very limited sample we've seen. Uh, but you've got 
Rose, you've got Keenan Nelson Jr., you've got Emory Floyd. All three of those were four-star guys, I believe, um, you know, in the recruiting process. And we haven't heard as much about them, but it, that, that always kind of makes it difficult. Like now, because of how much attention these guys get during recruiting, and Wes, you and I contribute to that. I recognize that. Yeah. It's always like if a guy is not on the depth chart as a true freshman and was highly ranked, you're going, oh, my God, what's wrong? You know, what it, is he not developing? No, different guys, different pace. So, like, a guy like Anthony Rose, tremendous physical talent, and I think he's got a chance to be really good, but just not quite there yet. Just different different paces for different guys. But uh, when you look at, I, I think, Smith and Eamon Warrior have probably taken a, a bigger leap faster than maybe we anticipated. But that's not a bad thing. Um, I think that entire group that they signed, it looks like a pretty promising group. Yeah, and I, I've always been a fan, man. Quarterbacks, if they have a physical makeup, which DQ does, that's one thing Robin Bacon told you a long time ago. Like, hey, this kid has the physical makeup to go make plays, is willing to be physical. I love the mentality of quarterbacks coming into – other positions and uh, you're, you're certainly talking about a guy who probably had a baseline understanding of coverages uh, in, in terms of DQ Smith because of his time on the other side of the ball at quarterback so it'll be fun to watch those guys man that's one of my most one of the things I enjoy most about this job is watching the guys film in high school interviewing a guy in high school seeing them in person and then watching them develop, watching them get the opportunities, and and then you know you hope that they can actually go take advantage of it and and be in a position to to help the team, but but help themselves personally as well, and put themselves in a position to go to the next level. Um, one more quote, he said, um, "Let's see where'd it go." Uh, this is Clayton again. I don't want to get too crazy. This is when the coach speak maybe popped in on him a little bit. I don't want to get too crazy. They're still going to be freshmen. They're still going to make mistakes. They're going to miss a tackle. They're going to hopefully not blow a coverage, but you guys are going to like them in the future. I promise you. Strong words from Clayton White. And then, Chris, as you said, Pete Limbo backed that up, talking about the freshman as well. Um, let, let's talk about Limbo. There's obviously some ongoing battles there as far as special teams go. But first, Chris, I did not tell everybody about our presenting sponsor, it's our buddy, Clint Hammond. You can check, check him out at clinthammond.com. His NMLS number is 71597. Email address is chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Phone number is 803-576-4450. If you're in the market for a new home, just give Clint a shout. He will take care of you as far as what is, you know, sometimes a difficult process. Clint will make it easy. Appreciate Clint. Chris, thoughts from Pete Limbo. Well, the f the first is what I mentioned. You know that that st stuck out, stuck, whoo, stuck out to me and stood out to me. So I, I merged them and, and said stuck. Um, that definitely stood out. The other thing, Wes, let me make sure I get the quote right. This actually isn't a quote exactly, so hopefully I am getting it right. Uh, third hand or second hand from Colin Taylor. Kai Kroger should be good to go, according to Pete Limbo. Um, and look, it, it, it hasn't been expected that Kai Kroger was going to miss a really, really long time, but certainly any game you can have him available. Uh, the guy's a weapon, you know, we, we think of him, we know he's a good punter. We know he can be an asset on fakes as we've seen. He's got a good arm, but also just holder. I, I said the other day, 
on the insiders forum. I, I feel like by the end of the year that Shane Beamer is going to have one of his uh, Parker White rants and Spencer Rattler rants. If if Kai Kroger doesn't make the Mortel Award uh, watch list or semifinalist list or whatever, maybe the subject of a of an epic rant by Shane Beamer. But that also to me, you know, was pretty noteworthy. Is, is that the holder award? Yes, that is the the country's best holder. He is also on the Gamecock Central watch list for the best passing punter in the country. The country. Okay. I was going to say in the history of football, but that might be a little strange. We should, we should put that list out, and it's literally just him. We don't even watch anybody else. He, he automatically wins. We can do what we want, Chris. I know. That's the beauty of it. If you make your own award, you can do whatever you want with it. There are so many awards and watch lists now that uh, we could. We but that, well, I mean, really, when he, I think, He's talented. The list, I think, had three guys on it last year, um, and he wasn't on it. But lame. Did you watch the games? They clearly did not. Like, That's one of those things that just people who don't watch the games vote on or put guys on the list. I feel like, but no, I mean that that was. Look, whenever he comes back, if it is indeed game one, which Pete Limbo said. Um, that's that's a nice development for South Carolina because, you know, it, it would make, I think, Carolina fans feel more – they're already going to be uneasy. Pete Limbo said, hey, somebody's going to go out there and kick a field goal or extra point. We don't we don't know who yet. He's not saying, not revealing it. But it will be somebody, and we do know that, that somebody will not be Parker White. Against all odds, I don't think uh, – I still – there's maybe a glimmer of hope that he's going to trot out there for year seven – but I don't, I don't think so, Wes. So it already makes Gamecock fans feel a little bit uneasy. Having Kai Kroger back as half of that, you know, kicking unit, I think is certainly going to help. Yeah, so this show is an educational show. Charles says you learn something new every day, like there's an award for the nation's best holder. You never know what you're going to learn on GC Live, but uh, that's what we're here for. I, I got to say, man, Kroger, and I, I've been – I've been trying to figure out how to say this without it like sounding like a shot at the other guys, but it's really it's really a compliment to Kroger. Like I've felt like since this even became a thing, day one of preseason, the day before it started, actually, when we heard Kai Kroger had an injury, you're like, eh, most people are gonna be like, oh, that's just the punter. But that's significant, in my opinion. And I know. Pete Limbo, I know the coaches will have complete confidence or would have had complete confidence in somebody else if Kai couldn't have gone. Now it looks like he will go. But there's a reason Kai was going to be the starter. There's a reason he's as highly um, valued, I would say, within that building as he is. It's because he's good at what he does. So anytime you have one less thing to worry about on special teams, that's a good day for the coaches and for the coordinators. So we'll see if that is the case with Kroger. Um, sounds like he's going to be good to go. Kicker battle. Um, do, do you think Limbo Limbo has to know who's going out there first, right, internally? I would think so. You know, and he did say, you know, a little coach speak here on on probably with Pete Limbo that you know, they're going to compete up until the last day. I'm sure that's true. Yeah, no doubt. But th- they've got to have a really, really good idea of – who's going out there first. Yeah. Agreed. And I think, and this is complete speculation on my part, Chris, 
other than the aspect of, okay, how do you perform in the games? Like, I think that's part of the reason this thing has continued is that what a kicker does in practice might be completely different than what he does in a game. And if it's this close, which it has seemed like it's been that close throughout, um, you kind of just want to see what does it look like with 80,000 people um, in the stadium. So I, I, I tend to think maybe also there's a possibility, maybe one guy's more accurate, one guy has a bigger leg. Do you do situational things? It seems like Mitch Jeter has the bigger leg, has a stronger leg. Um, I've heard the ball sort of pops off his foot like it jumps, which is a good sign. He's got some effortless length, which is always good. But, you know, we'll see. I My guess would be Mitch Jeter would be the first to, to run out there. But I guess we'll find out on Saturday, huh? We will. And, you know, again, I, just like you shouldn't discount a punter or Kai Kroger, I think Gamecock fans are aware of it and have talked about it enough, but maybe lost in some of the, you know, many, many storylines coming into this 2022 season for South Carolina is just the absence of Parker White. I mean, when he went out there the past 20 years that he was the kicker, you would say, (laughs) you would say, all right, you know, here's probably three points unless he's kicking from 58 yards or every now and then you, you get a miss, but, you could feel really good in a reasonable distance in any situation that he was very likely going to come through, and that's a luxury for, for the team. So, again, you can feel pretty good from a player standpoint if this guy has the ability to do that, but it's always different, you know, getting in under the lights and getting into that game. It can surprise you in a good or a bad way. So, um, you get in some tight games. You're going to need a field goal. You're going to need an extra point. So it'll be a storyline to to monitor. Parker was so good that if he missed, you were, like, shocked. And Yes. Oh, absolutely. That's the best compliment you can give a kicker, I think. Yeah. You're not worried. You're like, oh, he's going to make it, and then he misses. You're like, must have been a bad hold. You know, it's it, like, it, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> it was like when Rodrigo Blankenship missed that kick the year for Georgia against yes. South Carolina. You're just like – like you could even t- even Blankenship was just like he was obviously upset, but he missed it. But I feel like his reaction was almost more like I don't miss kicks, you know? Yeah, like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, what what kind of you know a bird must have hit it or something, you know, in the air? He's um he he was money, and so that that is a big you know to say nothing of kickoffs and you know directional kick all those types of things, just field goals. I mean, could could be important this year. Let's say something of kickoffs. You said to say nothing of kickoffs, but <laughs> let's talk about them. Has anybody been talking about the fact that Xavier Leggett is listed above Juju McDowell at kickoff return? Nobody has, but you have now. Congratulations. And it <laughs> what, is, what did you think of that? Hey, so the very first story that I heard about Xavier Leggett when he got to South Carolina, you probably remember this, um, was, hey, there's this kid and he, you know, this high school receiver, we all knew Xavier Leggett was, and it was like, Hey, this kid is raw, but he has a chance because, you know, he's in practice and he was covering a kick, not returning a kick, but covering a kick and just multiple people who, that who were there like, gum, look at that guy run, you know? And so when you see Xavier Leggett, he's this big, I mean, he's a big receiver, you know, he, he's tall, he's physically put together. 
and he can run. And so makes sense. It is interesting, but it's not like, oh, I can't believe that that seems weird. You know, like Hayden Hurst fielding a punt, a little weird, you know, um, it's not that little surprising. Yeah, probably so. But um, obviously they, they feel like he can bring something there and he can definitely run. So pretty, pretty interesting move. Yeah, I, I thought it was more surprising, not so much in that about Leggett, but just surprising that Juju brought some juice to that position last year, was good. Um, you kind of are like, all right, if Leggett beat him out, it's not it's not by default. You know, like you beat somebody out who knows how to play that position and play it pretty well. And, and I just, I kind of wondered, are they just kind of want some more size at that position? Like, Juju runs very hard, but I mean, you're you're getting hit by people coming downhill full speed while you're running full speed the opposite direction as them, like head on. Having somebody who's 6'2", 6'3", 220 pounds and can run, um, I don't know. He could He could surprise in that role, but he could surprise – in every role this year. Like, I, I think that's one of the guys I'm most curious to see, Chris. We've heard about the jump in practice. Does it translate to the field? There may be a lot of casual fans saying, wait, 17, which guy is that? While he's making play after play this year. Like, I could see it play out that way. Yeah. he. I think everybody's kind of been waiting on Xavier Leggett. Like, people who – heard of his physical ability and have seen those flashes every now and then. And they've just been, you know, he's been behind guys or there's been some injuries. I think this is his time to step forward. And so really interesting that he may get that opportunity on Saturday. And certainly it looks like he's going to have an opportunity to play a lot at receiver too. Hey, Charles and Erlen West made two, uh, made a point about Dante Miller. What is Dante Miller's role? It's a good question. We, we heard, yeah. We heard quite a bit about Dante early on in camp. Like Dante is going to have a role, but again, that, that's kind of this point you go to where you're like, all right, you've got you got a bunch of guys that you're like, you need to get the ball to this guy. Is Dante one of those? It seems like maybe so. Um, is it more on special teams? Is it more as a running back? We'll see. But that that speed seems like something that you want to try to exploit. The problem with the we need to get the ball to this guy scenario is you can only get the ball to so many guys, you know? There's one ball. So how do you how do you who do you emphasize? You know, yeah. like I'm sure you got a list. I think Dante's probably in there, but it will be very interesting to see as the year goes on, off the you know, or off right off the bat, you know, what what is his role on this team? Um Certainly a fast dude. You can always, always, always use speed, I think. Um, before we go any further, got to tell everybody about our friends at Liberty Tax. Uh, you can overcome your tax anxiety, 803-462-5576. Um, we are, of course, in re the regular season for football coming up. We're in the offseason for taxes, but that's okay. If you own a small business and need advice, if you have bookkeeping and payroll service needs for LLCs, S-Corps, and C-Corps, uh, Larry, my good friend at Liberty Tax, can help you out. They've got many locations in the Midlands. They've got a new one at 551 St. Andrews Road. That's by the Harbor Freight. They've got a Lexington office by Dunkin' Donuts at 1123 South Lake Drive and an Irmo by the Kroger at 7467 St. Andrews Road. Again, 
888-532-5576. Chris, let's talk NIL. We had Hillary Cox on earlier, 107.5, to talk about it. Everybody go check out that interview on 107.5thegame.com. Chris, what do – I'm going to ask you what Pearson asked Hillary. What do Gamecock fans need to know about this new in-house NIL opportunity slash situation that South Carolina student-athletes will now be able to take advantage of? Yeah, I like the the – uh, analogy that Hillary had. So you've got this wheel and there's different spokes on it. Like think of a bicycle. NIL so complex. It's probably not even a wagon wheel. It's probably more like a bicycle. You got a bunch of them coming off. And so there's all these different arms of NIL. Um, our state law in the state of South Carolina was suspended back in July. Up until then, universities are really, really limited in what they could do on the NIL front in terms of helping create opportunities, facilitating once the state law was suspended, that opened the door for South Carolina's administration and programs to be able to do more on the NIL front. Now, they're not, at least yet, right now. Uh, maybe this comes in the future in college athletics. The The players are not employees. The university isn't directly um, contracting players to do things. But what they can do is help facilitate. So, They've already launched the Gamecock Exchange, which is a place, a two-sided marketplace or businesses and their own athletes can sign up, kind of match with each, with each other. There's already the collective space. So that's not aff affiliated with the university, but Garnet Trust is a place where fans can basically become a member, subscribe, get access to content and experiences. And Garnet Trust turns around and uses those funds to fund NIL deals like the content and experiences. But another part of it now is something that South Carolina is on the cutting edge of, and that is this deal with Everett Sports Marketing. Uh, it's a marketing eight and agency that has worked with a lot of pro athletes, helps them brand, helps find them endorsements and deals. And so they have this exclusive deal now with ESM, and they're creating Park Avenue, which is going to be the arm. Basically, there's going to be employees dedicated to – helping athletes brand at South Carolina and finding them deals to match with. So it's a different type of arm than the collective space. It doesn't compete with something like Garnet Trust. It's just another lane and another part of it. Yeah, man. And I, I think this is the new reality for athletics. Um, many people have been asking, how can South Carolina compete in the NIL space? How can you compete with Texas A&M? You know, oil money type donors, uh, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into NIL and it's still a bit in its infancy, but I look at this latest news as the most comprehensive opportunity um, to date, uh, you know, as far as like having in-house direct sort of direct um, opportunities for the players. and you're going to have national businesses connected with this. You're going to have opportunities, especially for, I would say not just your Spencer Rattlers, Gigi Jackson's. I think it's going to be huge for guys like that. It's going to be huge for guys like Nicholas Harbor. Let's be honest. If South Carolina lands a kid like that with the namesake he has, this, this matters in recruiting, but I'll be curious to see what opportunities this can create for your fourth leading receiver. For your backup left guard, I mean, I, I think being able to possibly find 
businesses that are willing to do group licensing deals and sort of give every kid on the team an opportunity is part of this as, as well. And I, I think it takes away a little bit of the guesswork for players. It takes away a little bit of the guesswork for um, companies. I know the job that Garnet Trust does, and I know that, um, you know, it, it's all completely contracted uh, to where the players are getting maximum value out of it. But you got to know whenever, especially at the beginning, if Garnet Trust contacts a player, they're going like, wait, who are these guys? What is this about? I think um, this is just yet another sort of opportunity for these players to be able to take advantage and know that it's something in-house as well. Yeah, and I mean, a, a place like ESCM that does this for a living. I mean, literally, they their job is to represent players, market them, and to go out and find their clients' endorsement deals. And for big names, you mentioned Rattler, Jackson, but also some smaller guys, maybe maybe even some team-wide deals eventually come from this, West. They have those connections, and they know how to get those things done. So up until now, in the kind of evolution and progression of NIL, Really, it's been up to players to find their own deals or their agents to find their own deals or entities like Garnet Trust or, or a local business to directly reach out to players. This is going to be able to unlock, I think, a you know bigger deals, to be quite frank. I mean, there we've heard, Wes, some uh, rumblings of some potential, you know, some well-known brands that are probably going to be jumping in to work with some big-time Gamecock athletes and this is now going to be an example and something they can point to, as you said, on the recruiting trail. Hey, if you come here, you know, can't promise you a number, um, but here's what some of our guys that are like you, you know, this is what they're getting. Um, this is what we think you can do. This is what ESM and Park Avenue think you could get. Um, and that can make a, a difference for people who are really, you know, locked in on NIL, which for the big time guys in recruiting, they are. Definitely, man. Um, do you know an answer to this question, Chris? Yeah. Um, so on the Garnet Trust stuff, there's uh, a little bit. My understanding from last conversation I had with Jeremy Smith over there at Garnet Trust, uh, trying to resituate the shirt situation, but he's got to get some new stuff. And uh, it, it just depends, Ryan. Um, sometimes a few days, sometimes a couple weeks. But um, I will send a note to Jeremy to get with you on that. Yeah, appreciate you, Gamecock Ryan. We got to uh, got to meet Gamecock Ryan at the Gamecock Central kickoff party. That was cool. Uh, met met Craig as well. Met a lot of Gamecocks. So appreciate y'all coming out for that. Um, I think we're tapped out for today, man. I don't know. That's that's kind of it. There are plenty of final storylines to talk about. The final two days might have a little bit of news for you for Friday's show uh, here coming up soon. Uh, maybe maybe a lunch hour edition of the show. And uh, tomorrow, again, like I said, we got a Georgia State guest who's going to tell us all about the Georgia State Panthers. So get your Georgia State questions ready so that you can throw them at him tomorrow. Um, Brad says, just saw the game is on sellout watch. Yes. I don't know where you saw that, Brad, but uh, whoever said it is 100% correct. Be on the lookout. I think it's going to happen. Sources say I think it's going to happen. So um, that'll do it. Chris, you got any final thoughts, man? No final thoughts, man. Let's save them for the next show if there are any left over. We've been talking all day, man. So we're going to save them for tomorrow and Friday. Appreciate the support as always, y'all. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Again, happy game week. We'll talk to you on Thursday.
Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.